0: Welcome to ECE Learning Unlimited Podcast, the place for early childhood professionals where we talk about everything ECE. Join us at www.ECElearningUnlimited.com, Facebook, and YouTube. And now, here's your host, Angela Bush. to you out there in the land of early childhood education. This is Angela Bush from EC Learning Unlimited. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast episode where I aim to bring you some useful tips and tricks and hopefully ideas and thoughts around how to be the best that we can for our young children in early childhood services. Today I'm going to be talking to you about a really, really important part of our processes when we're working with children that is so, so often overlooked. And that is how to create a positive and successful induction process for new children. In another recent podcast episode, I also talked about settling strategies for infants and toddlers. And this included a range of ways in which early childhood teams can work together to support our youngest children and their families through a really emotionally challenging time of separation. For any child who is struggling with settling, it's a really critical time where their whole well-being must be at the forefront of our priorities. But while it is useful to have a kit of strategies that can be effective in settling children, if we have created a successful induction process in the first place, then we should only need settling strategies for a very short short amount of time, if we need those at all. At the heart of every early childhood curriculum around the world lies a fundamental value for relationships. As early years professionals, we have a clear understanding of the importance of building maintaining strong, reciprocal, responsive relationships with children and their families. We know that, we understand that, we get that. The neuroscience research strongly informs us that our youngest children are reliant on healthy, caring, responsive relationships with a few people in their early years, to ensure they have the optimum environment for healthy brain development. But central to this notion is the need for stress levels to be kept to a minimum for our youngest children. For infants and toddlers making the transition from home-based care into group care, this is a really particularly vulnerable time when they may be exposed to higher than usual levels of stress. It's also an enormous change in a child's life that must not be underestimated. I love Nathan Wallace, who's a neuroscience educator, who reminds us that he says this quote, the relationships a child has in the early years are so important in terms of wiring their brains up. And essentially, when it comes to helping them to grow resilience, children need to experience relationships where there is love, trust and empathy. Especially when encountering challenges and when emotions are running high. No true words could be spoken. Have no doubt, for infants and toddlers, creating a positive, successful, successful, well, oh, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Transition from home into group care is critical. I just love Petty Brownlee. She recently did some webinars for us. And in one of those webinars, she said this. Would you move in with someone who you had only known for an hour? Unless you were on a dreadful reality TV show, such as Married at First Sight, kill me now. For most of us, we would not dream of it. And yet this is exactly what we do to children who have no choice in the matter. Over the years, I've seen a range of practices in early childhood education that frankly make me shiver to think about. I'll give you some examples. Parents visiting to choose a service and then starting their child the next week or even worse, the next day. Children starting in care who came to visit the service only once. Children starting in care with one teacher one day and then another teacher the next day, so they're in a tag team situation of care. Crying children being passed from one teacher to another while teachers take their breaks or attend to tasks. Multiple new children starting at the same time on the same days. And this one is the worst of all, children screaming as they're being peeled from their mother's arms. I need to take a deep breath because that really hurts. In these situations, we are basically making a very young, vulnerable child move in with strangers into a highly stressful and frankly, non-existent arranged relationship. So let's start by putting a stake firmly in the ground. You know what? I have great faith that 99% of early childhood teachers want the best for our children. Otherwise, they wouldn't be working in such a lowly paid job. They understand why positive transition into the centre is so important, and yet they continue with practices that are detrimental to children. Now, I understand that what I'm saying here is a very contentious thing because for many teachers, I know that you have no control over when children are enrolled decisions are made by management, and what parents may need. And I also hear you say, but parents don't have time for a lengthy induction process. But you know what? If early childhood teachers don't advocate for our youngest children based on what we know is right, then who will? It is time for early childhood teachers to speak up, put our stake in the ground and say, we must do this differently. And if you are the leader or manager of an early childhood service, you have the power to create policy and set the way that we do things here. Then the well-being of children is firmly in your hands. Your induction and setting processes flow directly from you as the leader. So I'm going to leave that with you to mull over for a bit because I know that that is going to poke some needles into some people and they're going to feel very upset about that, but it is true. If we don't advocate for children, who will? So, the first place to start is to discuss your why as a team. And what I mean by that is make time as a team to discuss what is important for new children and families. It's really important that every member of your team understands the why, why it's so important that we get this induction process right. It's important also that your team understands how this aligns with your services philosophy. If relationships are truly at the heart of your philosophy, which so many of us say, then how is this evident in your induction processes? We can't sit here espousing that our philosophy is all about relationships and yet we do nothing to nurture those. The next place I want you to start with is building a relationship. Because in any new relationship, time must be given to get to know one another. Parents and children will need multiple visits to the room that they will be starting in so that they can begin to build a relationship with the people who will be caring for them. It's so important to assign a primary caregiver or a key teacher to this family and ensure that this person has the time and space to be with this family when they come to visit. This doesn't necessarily mean that they have to sit with the parents the whole time, but certainly on the first couple of visits, the key teacher should be spending time talking with the child's parents or whoever the main family members are that are bringing this child. This relationship building should also be reciprocal. Both parties getting to know each other. Remember, you are a complete stranger about to start taking care of this family's most precious person. So just take some time to think about how you can share a little bit about yourself too, so that this family can begin to feel that you are trustworthy and no longer a stranger to them. The second thing that we need to do is get to know the child and their family. Many early childhood services will have a getting-to-know-you type form that they ask parents to complete so that they know what this child's needs are. So, for example, for babies, they might ask how many bottles and when and what the child prefers to eat and when they sleep. But completing a form with the basic information about this child's routines is often where this information exchange stops. It's actually really surface level and very basic. The key teacher actually needs to spend some time getting to know this child and family at a deeper level. I therefore say don't simply ask the parents to complete the form. Sit with the family and complete the form together and use the questions as an opportunity to build a stronger understanding of this young person that you're going to be caring for in relationship. Ask not only how many bottles does this child have, but how do they like to be held? What matters to your family? How are you feeling about leaving your child here? And how can I support you in this? What do I need to know about your family's culture that is important to you? And just so, so, so much more. It is so much more important than just how many bottles a day does your child have. The third thing I want you to think about is how many times children get to visit, stay and play with their parents. It's really important that we insist that the child has the opportunity to visit, stay and play for as many visits as is necessary for them to feel confident with us. Now, there is no magic number of visits that works for every child. But if you think about how much there is for this child and the family to absorb and begin to understand in this new environment, that gives you some clues about how many times they're going to need to come and visit. A successful induction process will include plenty of time for children and their parents or family members to visit, spend time playing, observing and becoming really familiar with this new place. Your early childhood service will have routines and rituals and rules and ways of doing things that are not likely to be familiar to this family. If you just think about it, even the furniture is different from home. You're likely to have small chairs and tables and resources and equipment and smells and all sorts of things that are going on that just doesn't happen for a child in their home. So the more a child has the opportunity to play in this new space with their familiar family alongside them, the sooner they will start to feel confident in this place and with these new people. Children are going to take their cues from how their parents are feeling. When children are able to see their parents feeling relaxed in this place, they can too come to know that this is somewhere I can trust So the fourth thing I want you to do is think about when this child is visiting that you need to spend time engaging with the child and play. Each time the child comes to visit, it is imperative that the key teacher spends time engaging with the child. So sit alongside their parents at first, talking and playing with the child as much as they allow you to. Play together and show a genuine interest in getting to know this child. How do they communicate both verbally and non-verbally? Watch them. What are their little cues? How do they communicate? Get to know them. Number five, this might seem really obvious, but I can tell you how many times it does not happen. And that is to show the child and their family where everything is and what to do. It goes without saying that you know where everything belongs, but parents do not. So take time to show them where to put their child's bag, where the child will sleep, That's really important for a child parent to know this is where my child is going to be going to sleep. Where to sign in and out, and why that's so important. What happens if there's an accident and they need to sign the accident record, where the bathrooms are. Don't forget to show them where the adult bathroom is. Introduce them to all staff and show them around the whole centre, not just your room. Your room doesn't just sit alone as an island, it's part of a wider community. And eventually, if you are successful in settling and building a relationship with this child, they will be staying here for a lot longer and moving through the other rooms potentially. So it's important that parents are able to see those other rooms and understand this whole service as a, as a whole. And take time to tell them about your philosophy and how this influences your routines, your curriculum approach, and also potentially your approach to conflict resolution. So number six is once the child has started to spend some time playing and with their parents in the space and they're feeling more confident, start to include the child in mealtime routines. Because in a home environment, this child is unlikely to be sitting at a table amongst lots of other children the same size and age as them. They might be in a high chair at home, or they might sit in front of the TV to eat. Their parents may spoon-feed them, or they might walk around walking eating. And it is highly unlikely that your centre is going to have the same routines as what they have at home. And think of a mealtime as the time and space where we can connect with children over food. The meal table is where we nourish not only little stomachs, but also their minds and hearts and souls. Mealtimes are places for us to connect, for us to talk, to get to know each other and share food. And for parents, this is an important one, Often, one of the biggest concerns will be around their child getting enough to eat and drink. Therefore, it's really reassuring to parents to see that their child is eating and drinking with you and participating in a mealtime routine with others. Okay, once the child's been coming for a little while, we can start to move towards number seven, which is to change the child's nappies together. The first time the child has their nappy changed in the center should ideally be done by their parent. The primary care caregiver can then take this opportunity to observe and build their understanding of how this really intimate moment is usually handled by the parent. Does this child cooperate in this care moment? Do they lift their bottom? Do they put their feet up to have their pants put on? Or do they prefer to stand up when they are changed? Once the relationship between you, the primary caregiver, and the child has begun to feel some connection, The next nephew change can be done by you, the primary caregiver, with the parent alongside you so that the child can see that this is a trusting relationship. They can see that mum or dad trusts you and that they can trust you too and they can continue to build confidence in you as their new caregiver. It's also an opportunity to build understanding of this child's usual bowel habits, which is actually a really important thing to know. The last thing that should happen is sleeping at the centre. Falling asleep in this new place will often be one of the most difficult moments for children when they stay in group care. There's such a lot of potential variables that can make this overwhelming for a young child. There's things when you think about it, things like constant noise, the sleep room door being open and closed every 10 minutes for those safety checks, the unfamiliarity of the room and the bed and the linen and it smells different. So it's really important that the primary caregiver develops an understanding of how this child likes to go to sleep. Do they sleep on their back or their side? Do they like to be wrapped? Do they like to be rocked or left alone? Do they have a comfort item they need for sleep? Do they feel hot or cool when they sleep? Do they need a big blanket on or do they sleep in a sleep sack? There's so, so, so many variables that we need to understand. And the child's first sleep in the centre should happen with a parent there and ideally the parent will take the child for their first sleep with the primary caregiver observing so that you can learn the nuances of this child's routine and equally important the parent should be there to greet the child when they wake for the first time. Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up to a stranger when you sleep somewhere for the first time? Then the next time the child goes to sleep at the center, it can be with the caregiver taking the lead and the parent alongside, until this child feels confident and comfortable sleeping here. Often when children haven't had a really good induction process, one of the hardest things and the longest processes to set bed down is getting them to sleep. And it can create such a long period of distress for children and parents and staff. So that step is critical. The next thing is to think about what happens with parents. And it's really important to create an agreed plan for separation. You actually need to talk about this with parents. We make so many assumptions about what parents know or how they're feeling. And actually, if this is the first time they've put their child or even their third time they've put their a child into care, they need to understand what's going to happen when they separate from their child and they need confidence and reassurance from you. So you need to discuss and create an agreed plan with the parents for leaving their child for the first few times. Infants and toddlers, as I've said before, should not be left with a new caregiver until it is clear that the child is beginning to feel trust and confidence with them. After all the other steps that I've just mentioned have been in place and the child is eating, sleeping and interacting confidently with their caregiver, then it is time to plan for the parents to begin leaving the child in your care. And initially, ideally, this should only be for very short periods until the child is able to cope with longer stretches in your care. So it may be that you suggest to the parents that they leave the child maybe for an hour at at first, and then you can build it up to two hours and then half a day and then a full day eventually when the child is really settled and everyone's feeling confident. The last step is the one that is the most often overlooked when we're inducting new children and families, and that's to think about how we coach parents how to say goodbye. I know that sounds bizarre, but a lot of parents do not know how to separate from their children or it's such a highly emotional time for them that it's difficult for them, and we need to empathize with that. Most parents are going to need some guidance on how to settle and say goodbye to their child. If you've successfully followed the first nine recommendations in this induction process, then when the actual time of separation for the parents and the child comes, it should be a time of confidence and trust. The induction process is for parents and families as much as it is for the child. But for many parents, they may still need your professional guidance in how to create a drop-off routine and how to say goodbye positively. Creating a consistent and predictable drop-off routine is helpful for everybody in this relationship. If parents can do the same things in the same order at every drop-off time, it makes the process so much easier for you as the caregiver to anticipate when they may need to, you might need to step in and offer a hug or be alongside the child when their parents say goodbye. And a consistent drop-off routine also helps the child to become familiar with what is going to happen. Parents often need to be coached in the importance of saying goodbye and then walking out of the room. We all know what it's like to have parents who linger and linger and make it harder and harder for everybody. It's hard for the child and it's hard for the caregiver to support everybody through that separation. Lingering and prolonging actually, unfortunately, makes the actual moment of separation more difficult for everyone. And the important, important part to always remember when you're coaching parents in this, remember to advise them never to sneak out to avoid tears. Sneaking out is one of the worst things that parents can do to destroy trust that their child will have in them and in their caregivers as well. And it will set back the whole settling and induction process that you've worked so hard on. Never let parents sneak out. So the length of time it takes to positively and successfully transition a new child into your care, of course, is going to vary from child to child and family to family. But at the minimum, I'm going to suggest to you that this is likely to be a two to three week process that includes multiple visits. Remember, this child is moving in with you at your early childhood service and you are all strangers in a strange land at first remember to keep checking in with this family for weeks after their successful transition. You can do things like send photos of the child and document their settling weeks in their portfolio and continue to reassure this family that their child has been cared for and loved. My final words to you are to remember that laying the foundations for a relationship with this child and their family starts well before the first day they are left in your care. As early childhood professionals, we have a responsibility to prioritize children's whole well-being. And we have the power to guide a positive and successful induction process that has the child and the family at the heart. Go well out there, early childhood professionals, and all the best with your induction and settling processes for you, your children, and your families in Fano. Kakite anofano.